And another reminder that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need in one place, and it's free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools, so you can record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. And they'll distribute your podcast for free. So you can hear it on Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more. Just like us here at BraveMaker. Make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the Anchor app today and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Hey, I'm Austin Scott. I play Alexander Hamilton on Broadway, and you're listening to the Brave Maker Podcast. Stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. Welcome to the Brave Maker Podcast. This is episode 23. My name is Rebecca Mosa. Hey, hey, hey. I'm Tony Gapastone. And we just want to give you a couple updates. It's summertime. We hope you all have been enjoying. Uh, I went away for a few days, went to Santa Barbara. It was my first time. Yay. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's a beautiful place. And it reminded me a lot of where I used to live. So it's kind of brought back some nostalgia. And what part? In Spain? Yeah. Yeah. On the south of Spain. It's very, very similar to the Mediterranean area. And we also drove down to Venice Beach, which I've never been to, and I'm, I was in love. I uh-huh. really like just all different characters down there. Did you recognize it from millions of movies? Like anytime someone's in LA, it's like Venice Beach, people on roller skates, people lifting weights. That's what I was going to say, the muscle beach, like yeah. just standing there and like watching people doing a lot of their um, like gymnastic type yeah. things. And it was just like, oh, this is so cool. But yeah, it's very iconic so that way. So iconic, yeah. Unfortunately, though, I missed our open house, which uh, was very successful. So why don't yeah. you tell us about that? Brave Maker had an open house last Wednesday, August 21st, and 33 of you RSVP'd and 65 of you showed up. (laughs) I love that about our culture. It's like, we're kind of like, maybe I'll show up or maybe I won't. And maybe I will. I won't let you know. (laughs) Is that a California thing? Isn't that like a, I don't know. Is that an American, is that a human thing? I don't know. But I feel as if RSVPing is so... It makes it so, like, like for sure, it's like I'm committing, and I'd rather be maybe a little non-committal, right? So I, I was happy with it. We were, like, pulling out chairs, and it was super hot, and the air conditioners were not, like, absorbing, or they were absorbing too much. I don't know. So people were fanning themselves, and the cannoli was drippingly, although it was amazing, but it was, you know, it was melting. But it was fun. We had a great night. We shared our fall lineup talked about uh, the events that are coming up, like our 9-12 event for suicide prevention with the film Edge of Success. Becky Alex, who is one of our podcasters, uh, our interviews, she shared uh, some of her music and sang live. We had Rex Wheeler there who talked about his uh, character, Andy. If you guys want a fun little Instagram character to follow, follow Andy with an I, A-N-D-I, and the word I-E-Y-E, honey. And he talked about just developing this fun character with Brave Maker. It was I'm, great. I'm curious, how did he explain it? Like, what was his, like, one-liner or whatever to say what Andy was? He kind of went back first and just said the the way that we connected and how mm. he really wanted to play this little part and how he asked us to push the production back and how we were first like, who are you? <laughs> but because he was so great, we did. Uh, and then he just shared, just it was. it's been fun to work with Brave Maker people and how he's been involved in a couple other projects now. So that was fun. So out of it, we got two people, just two, who committed to becoming, we're trying to figure out the best word to describe. Are you a subscriber? Are you a patron? Are you a monthly donor? We're trying to, this is like our second year as Brave Maker, and we're trying to figure out what it is to be a part of this partnership. So two people basically said, hey, I'm going to give a monthly donation, which is really huge. We need that because we only had eight people giving every month before. So now we're at 10 people who give anywhere from 10 bucks a month to our largest is $500 a month. Nice. So people give 10, 25, 50, 100, 150, whatever. So if that's you, please go to bravemaker.com slash donate because we really need the support of this community to do this work that we're doing. Also, you can donate via Facebook if yeah, you that's have true. a birthday or something yep. and you want to choose a charity, you can choose Brave Maker. Yeah, that's right. Oh, and side note, I don't, we didn't have this to talk about, but I'm taking a team or a group to Sundance. So if anybody would like to go to Sundance Film Festival, we're leaving January 26th and staying for about six days and seeing amazing films, having conversations. 
partying and having <laughs> podcasts. So if you'd like to go, it is a little pricey, but you could also do a fundraiser on Facebook and raise your money to go to this life-changing film festival that I always attribute to what helped birth Brave Maker because I loved Sundance so much. I wanted to bring a little bit of it to the Bay Area. Can people join the same group that you're going with or is that closed? Yeah, no, they can join. Yeah. So we're, we're renting a house. We have about five or six spots. So I have a couple people who are trying to get their deposit into me this week. So we'll see, but we do have some spots open. If you'd like to come to Sundance, just uh, email me, Tony at bravemaker.com. Cool. All right. So who do we have today on the podcast? We have Austin Scott. Yes. So Austin is, let me just say this. First of all, he plays Hamilton on freaking Broadway. Okay. That is enough. That's all you need to know. But he's a Bay Area actor. So mm-hmm. he was born and bred right here in the Bay Area, East Bay, Benicia. And uh, you know what was cool is we never have actually met in person. We've only met online. Oh, really? So four years ago, I was doing this group called Creative Crew, right? Yeah. And he was in a play right around the corner in the Fox Theater, in which we'll be in for our wow. September 12th event. So he was performing in Lin-Manuel Miranda's In the Heights. So crazy. It's full circle. What? Yeah. So I saw that he was in the musical and I reached out to a bunch of the cast and said, hey, if you guys ever want to come to Creative Crew, we meet on Sunday. I'd love to promote your show. I'd love to have you interview, talk about your work. It never worked out, but we stayed connected. Facebook, Instagram, et cetera. So for four years, we've been just like liking each other's stuff and commenting and this and that. Did you know he was in it before you went and saw it? No. (laughs) Isn't that fun? So. Now Austin and I are connected. He's obviously on the podcast. I'm going to go see him on Broadway in October. But here's the coolest thing I will say about him. And you'll hear it. It comes through. This is a really humble guy. His body of work is really impressive. And it shows a lot of hard work and tenacity and patience. But even though he has to talk about things like Lin-Manuel saying, good job, or that was amazing, he does it with a really believable sense of humbleness. I didn't catch a, like, I'm so amazing Mm -hmm. or I deserve all the praise in the world. It was really like, this is hard work and I love it and it's my dream and I'm going after it and what a gift I get to do. So uh, you don't always meet those kinds of people when they're at that level. They can toot their own horn and he didn't have to. I really, really appreciate that and that's something I hope I can model in my own life as well. Nice. So with that, oh, before we go, what else do we need to say? Well, you mentioned briefly the event, but I don't think we went into more detail about it on September 12th. Yeah, September 12th, the edge of success. Yeah. And it's free. It's full for, if you're a student. You can be any <laughs> kind of student. You can be a student of life if you want to prove that. Yeah. <laughs> but if you go to our website, bravemaker.com, there's a link. And you could actually just pay what you can as well. So if you can only pay a dollar for a ticket, great. It's worth it. You're going to get catering by Seclismo Cafe from 6 to 7. You're going to have artwork in the lobby. You're going to meet and hear Becky Alex sing two of her songs with some dancers. There's going to be some dancing happening as well on stage. Yes. It's so worth your price of admission. And then we'll have the Edge of Success film by Lisa Meek and Catherine Basigi, two Silicon Valley Peninsula filmmakers. Uh, and it's all about mental health and suicide prevention for high school students. And then we'll have a panel discussion after. So check it out. Please come. We want to fill up the, the theater. And uh, we also invite you to consider joining our writers group. The writers group starts September 5th. I was like, I haven't really heard from many people. I heard from a handful of people who want to come. And I was like, I'm just going to cancel it. But I'm like, you know what? If there's just three of us. It's three of us. <laughs> so September 5th, Thursday night, it just meets five times. And the whole goal is to create a production-ready short film by 2020. Cool. cool. So with that, I'm not giving up my shot. That's my attempt at singing Hamilton. Oh, I haven't <laughs> seen it. So <laughs> you should have seen my look right now. I was figuring it was from Hamilton, though. Because <laughs> I know that you were playing the music. You said you and your wife were really we're into it. We're into it. Yeah. So into it. Yeah, I'm going to show you the Hamilton app, and I'm going to have you and Roberto. There's an app. Yeah, you can do a lottery. <laughs> so you got to do a lottery, and if you win, you get $10 tickets. Amazing oh, wow. tickets. Because they're like over like two or 300 bucks. Yeah, it's very popular. Okay, enjoy Austin Scott. Bye. Bye. Brave stories change the world. You are the story.
Tony. Hey, Austin. What's up, man? You, not much, man. I think this is the first time we've ever actually yeah. spoken. Well, <laughs> yeah, we should get into that. Like, I think we just met on social, I believe, when you were in Redwood City. That's true. I don't think I you think and I ever actually met in person because I don't even remember. It's kind of like hazy. Maybe you have more details. I think you were in Broadway by the Bay in a performance. Yes. And I was doing right around the corner this event called Creative Crew. And either your name popped up or I saw – because I have friends at Broadway by the Bay. I don't know how. I was like, oh, I invited all the actors to come over. And then we just started connecting right. that way, I think. I'm not sure. How do you remember it? I think, I think so. I think I remember I, – I, yeah, I remember talking to you on Instagram about – something <laughs> I don't remember exactly what I think kind of just general like you know like oh yo you're a creator and I'm a creator like we should yeah. totally get together I was like for sure I'm going back down to LA but like next yeah, time yeah. we talk about meeting up for the, like the coffee and and ketchup um or no not coffee and ketchup I forget what it was called but like you're 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 oh, yeah you're, creative crew yep creative crew yeah creative yeah. crew um yeah I think that's how and then like ever since then I've just like been following you and yeah. you've been following me and same no super cool man i love it well can we actually just like start this we'll just use this all as the part of the podcast is that cool no worries so, and you can hear me all right yeah really? no that sounds good yeah yeah so i remember so i think a little bit after we connected when you were in redwood city i want to say four years ago is that when it was yeah uh, four four or five i think four okay and you had just had a, a, a film gosh what was it called um, like private school, prep school, prep school. That's right. So I remember like, Oh, this guy's got a feature film out now. He's in, <laughs> you, know, you were in the Bay area cause you're from the Bay area. Yeah, exactly. From the East Bay. Okay. So I remember watching mm -hmm. that and I recognized a few of the actors from other, you know, circles in the Bay area. So yeah, just cool. Small world, man. Really cool. Small world. Absolutely, man. Well, right on, dude. Well, hey, I got a bunch of questions to to ask you. Super conversational. Um, let's just start, dude. How did you get your your story started here in the Bay Area into acting? Oh man! So, I mean, the very very beginning, I remember I was like walking by uh, an acting studio in San Ramon with my mom when I was like eight, probably like seven or eight, and like something about it. I was always a really like loud, you know, rambunctious class clown kid. So I walked by and I was just like, Oh, I want to, I want to check that out. Like, can we go in? And she took me in and like, I loved the person's spiel, whoever was at the front desk and she signed me up. And then I just kind of started taking like classes. I think I did like runway classes and commercial and, you know, kids on camera stuff and just kind of caught the bug. And then I think, you know, I did, I did some, some theater and a bunch of independent films and stuff kind of growing up all the way through, through high school, I did, when I was really young, I did a Chia Pet commercial. Yes. Uh, those throwback. Is that on YouTube uh, somewhere? Can we dig that up? It might be. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have like a, a link from some deep, dark place in the internet. Um, Please, we need to share so, that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, so I kind of, you know, did stuff like that till high school and it wasn't until like after high school really that I, you know, got into it like full force, full professional um, like I said, this is what I want to do. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Cool. I, I love, first of all, I love Bay Area acting stories because, you know, it's a very small market here and uh, you don't have a lot of, you know, people who can claim like, oh, I was there, I hustled, I made it happen, then I went to LA and now, right. I mean, you're freaking in New York. That's amazing, dude. So a long time, my biggest claim to fame was that I was an extra in pursuit of happiness and I didn't even end up getting used, but <laughs> I got to, I got to like play dodgeball with Will Smith and his son, um, at the time. And like, you know, that's, those are the kind of projects that came through the yeah. Bay a lot where like the, you know, like the, the big films that, but they, you know, they'd hire the locals for yeah. like the big parts and stuff like that. So. Well, yeah, that's, that's sure. another connection we have. I played an x-ray technician in the pursuit of happiness. Were you? <laughs> oh my God. We're coming together. The pursuit of happiness reunion tour. Let's do it. I'm so here for it. I remember stopping the frame on the film, like when he's selling his first like contraption for the very mm -hmm. first time. And I'm passing by Will Smith in the door. I'm like, yes. yes. I was in the same frame I'm as sure. Will Smith. 
I'm sure you were fully dropped in and you had created a backstory for that character. And, and like, like 10 pages of backstory. Yeah. That sure, was fun. I'm sure. 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 <laughs> oh man, dude. That's so fun. Okay. So after you graduate high school, do you go jump right into acting or are you working side hustle so, jobs, go to college? What's that like? I mean, yeah, like I was, you know, I was working, my mom's a physical therapist. So I was like working a lot at her PT office as an aide. And, um, you know, like I said, I was doing student films and independent films and, you know, little things here and there that gave me a little bit of money. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until, so after high school, I met Paul Ruddy, who was a casting director that lives in LA, um, casting for like Disney and a lot of things like that. And he was doing a workshop down here with my, my, um, longtime acting coach, Bettina Devin, um, not down here in the Bay area. And after the the workshop, he just kind of came up to me and was like, you know, I really like your work. I think you've got something special. I'd love to, you know, bring you down to LA and like get you set up with some meetings with a manager and, you know, some, some agents and stuff like that. And I had an agent in, in the Bay area. Um, but when I went you know, to LA, I was just kind of like started fresh. Um, and that's, that's basically how it got started was I went down there. I met with some people. I ended up signing with a manager and an agency and, um, you know, kind of just started going on professional auditions. Was that in the past five years then? Cause you were here. Yeah. So I graduated. So I'm 26 now. I graduated in 2011. Uh-huh. So that was, uh, that was like 2012, maybe actually maybe 2013. Cause I did a year of college at San Francisco state before I moved. Okay. So I think that was about, that was about 2013 that I met him and moved, moved down to LA. That's a bold move, man. That's, that's the whole brave maker process, right? Facing the fears and jumping in. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And did you always have a goal to be on Broadway? Did you feel you were more TV and film? Because you are kind of doing a little bit of both and stuff right now. I, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think in the beginning, I think I was more TV and film. Um, and I still, in some ways, consider myself kind of a TV and film actor. I think that's just kind of like my baseline. It's a little more of that style. Um, but you know, I was always a singer from a really young age. And so like musical theater just gave me this awesome opportunity to be able to kind of work both muscles and, you know, do, do my acting and also, um, get to sing along with it. So it was just kind of a natural thing that I fell into. Um, and I think, you know, pretty, pretty early on, I realized that I was going to be doing both for, you know, for my, the rest of my life, probably. For, for listeners who don't, I mean, I'm sure people can make some assumptions about the differences of those mediums. Can you share sort of like an overview of what it looks like to be an actor in theater as opposed to film and TV? Like, what are some of the differences? What do you like? What do you don't like? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the super kind of simplified version is it's just like a dial, you know I mean? So I think TV and film is a little more, you know, on the lower spectrum, it's a little more subtle and, you know, um, intimate with, with the camera and theater is just more, you know, you're playing from the back of the house a lot of times. So it's like, you know, you, you have to learn how to project your voice and, you know, things are just a little bit amplified oftentimes, um, just so that, you know, people in the back of the theater can see it and feel the same thing. But I mean, at the core of it, I, I really believe acting is acting. Um, and like I said, it's just kind of like learning how to put that, that knob and that dial on certain things and be able to turn it up and turn it down. Um, but then obviously with, with musical theater, you've got the whole added thing of you're not, you're not, you know, no one sings their feelings in real life. <laughs> That's a very unique thing. <laughs> that takes a little bit of like training yourself to be able to kind of believe it yourself and, you know, get to where the audience believes it as well. Yeah. That's, uh, I yeah. love, so I want to, I want to jump in cause I, my background is theater I have a bunch of questions that I want to chat about, uh, and I have some people who have submitted questions. So let's just start before we talk about like what it's like to be in Hamilton now. Let's talk about the road to get there. Becky Alex, who was on our podcast a few episodes ago, she's a teen singer, also really involved in uh, theater here in the Bay Area. She asked about the road to getting the part. Can you share about the audition process for Hamilton and what that was like? Yes. <laughs> so... <laughs> The first time I went in for Hamilton, okay, so I, there was there was kind of three rounds of it. So the very first time I was actually in Sofia, Bulgaria, <laughs> shooting um, a TV horror movie, oh, whoa. Uh, Sci-Fi Channel, 
And this was, this was before Hamilton was any kind of thing. This was like early, early days before it was even off Broadway. Um, and they were kind of pulling together readings and stuff. So I sent in a tape with like a very early version of Dear Theodosia and I think like Guns and Ships uh, rap. And I was like holding a, I had no idea what it was about. So I had like wrapped up a sweater and pretended it was a baby and was like singing to it like Dear Theodosia. Not really what what's happening in the, in the show. Dear Theodosia um, <laughs> is one of my favorite songs, by the way. I always it's choke up, man. Oh. Yes. Oh, I love it. We'll, we'll, I'll well, gush about that yeah. in a little bit yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but so that was my very first thing. Nothing came of that. Um, didn't, didn't get in on that level. And then about two years later, maybe I had moved to New York and I w- I went in for basically every role except for Hamilton. So I went, I was reading for George Washington. I was reading for Lawrence Phillip, um, Mulligan Madison, uh, you know, Jefferson, everybody except for like Burr and Hamilton. And I had probably a string of, I want to say like eight callbacks, um, in total over the course of like a month or two months. And that was for, you know, Lynn and all the creatives and the, and the producers and everything at the very end of this. I mean, it was, it was a saga. Like I was posting, you know, online about it and like, Oh my God, you know, I made it to another step and this is incredible. Um, and at the end they were kind of like, we see something in you, but you know, not quite yet. You might be a little too, too young for this role, too old for that one, too this, too that. Um, but you know, we might, we might circle back around. So in my mind, I was like, all right, that's, that's probably the end of it, but you never know, you know, you never know, maybe they might come back around. So can and I, then can I came I back for a second. Is this before, yeah. so is this before Lynn was actually in the role or after or during? This was after. So this was when they were casting for, replacements in the Broadway company, but also they were casting for the Chicago company. Gotcha. So Chicago company was the very first company after they, they, you know, they debuted on Broadway. So I think this was probably, you know, anywhere from six months to a year after I think they were on Broadway probably. Um, so Lynn, yeah, Lynn had played the role. He was in the room. It was, it was cool. There was one time when I was rapping, uh, this one piece and he got so into it that he started like rapping with me and I was just like going back and forth. That blew my mind. Dude, that is so surreal. I mean, how do you keep it together in those processes? Uh, <laughs> I don't even know. Oh. I was sweating bullets the entire time. Um, but so, so yeah, so it was another probably year and a half or something that I got called in again. And this, this was a year and a half ago. Now all of these timelines hard to keep track of, but the show had probably been on Broadway for about, two years, a little under two years at this point. And they were like, yeah, we want to, we want to call you in for, for Hamilton and just kind of see, you know, if that, if that might fit. Um, and so I went and I just got back, I was doing a, a show out of town called hood in Dallas. And I just got back to town and I went kind of like straight in and we were working some of the material. I had like five songs to prepare, I think. So it was a, it was a massive workload. Um, it's not usual for something like this. And something kind of just started to click and they were like, Oh, there, there might be something here. So they, you know, they brought me in about two, two or three more times. And again, you know, brought in the producers and everything. And then one day I got the call and they were like, yeah, like, why don't you go play Hamilton on, on the first national tour? I was wow. like, all right. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Wow. Why not? So, so it was quite a, quite an ordeal and quite a long process to get here. So when you were in Bulgaria for the very first taped audition, you had no yeah. idea that it was going to become a phenomenon. It kind of just obviously you, you, it comes and goes. Oh, I, I thought it sounded pretty dumb. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think as, as most people did, like not dumb, but just like, Oh wow, this is out there. You know, it's, it's like, um, sorry, I'm playing with the hanger. Um, you know, it's just like a rap musical about Alexander Hamilton. Like I loved Lynn's work and you know, all of his stuff. So like, I knew it was going to be dope, but I was like, I, I can't imagine it. You know what I'm saying? I can't imagine it. Um, but I wanted to get in there and I wanted to work with him and, and that whole team and it, it blew up. So the, <laughs> so the second time you come in for the audition, you're auditioning for all these other different roles and they say, right. you're, you're not right. Do you kind of go, okay, do you like just move on? Did it feel like that was like a big rejection? How did you handle that whole space in time? Then get called back again to audition. Right, right. You know, I've been rejected so many times <laughs> over the course of my career, um, so many times. And like it definitely stings every time. And that, that one was, 
it was less a feeling of just total rejection because I knew they liked me, you know, by that point it, it was, you know, it'd been like eight and I, I knew that like I was in the ballpark. Um, but it was, it was a big letdown because I'd gotten pretty si- excited, you know, I'd built up, you know, a lot of excitement to be a part of this thing. And I was a huge fan of it by this point. And so it was, it was a big letdown for sure. Um, but, you know, I had a great, you know, my manager and everybody was just really good and just kind of like steering me and just like, you know, onward and upward, let's keep our eyes on the prize. Um, but yeah, it was, it was hard. It was definitely hard. One of our brave maker filmmakers, his name is Veronica. Uh, and she, she's an animator, student filmmaker, and she wanted me to ask you, so as you deal with your rejection, how do you push through that and not settle for maybe I should just go into a normal stable job and stop chasing my dream. Like what are the things that you do to keep yourself? Obviously you're at a great place now, but back in the day when you were hustling, how did you keep going? Yeah. I mean, you know, there were definitely low points, many, many low points, but there were also really high points. And I think at the end of the day, it kind of, this all came down to, I, I never, I never, and I have yet to find something that fills me up in the same way that being creative does. You know, I, I don't think, giving it up was never really an option just because that, that was such a, it's a huge part of who I am. You know what I mean? Like to, to give it up and to not chase it to some degree is just like, does not compute kind of, um, for me. And so, you know, I think there were definitely times where I, where I kind of, you know, would set like a soft date and say like, okay, well maybe by, you know, if, 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 if in four years I'm not, you know, doing such and such, then maybe I'll consider like splitting my time between this and, you know, another, either another creative endeavor, like I'll pick up writing or something like that, or, you know, I'll I'll just kind of diversify a little bit, but I always, I always knew I wanted to, I wanted to do this. And, you know, I think I will be doing it whether success continues or not. Um, in this, the way it looks like it is now, I mean, I think I'll always be doing this to some degree. I love it. I want to talk some practical stuff because I was in the theater and at the most I did three weekends in a row, Thursday, Uh Friday, Saturday, double Sunday or whatever, uh, double Saturday. I cannot imagine how many shows you do per week and the schedule. I freak out about having stomach issues when I have like a public presentation, Uh let alone being on Broadway. So talk to us about some of those rigorous routines you have to deal with. Yeah. Um, (laughs) you know, it's, it's really, it's a full-time job. I mean, you know, they can say, so I do, I do seven out of eight shows a week. I'm very lucky. I get one, one show off, um, Sundays and that's kind of like a Lynn ism that, that has hold with all, all Hamiltons. Um, so actually then but, so people who don't know the theater schedule is always off on Monday. So you're off Sundays Mondays. and Mondays then, which is great. Yeah. So I get two, I oh, get two amazing. days to, which is, which is huge for, yep. you know, being able to rest my voice and, that's you know, great. just kind of like coop mental energy and physical energy. Um, so yeah, that's, that's incredible. I'm very lucky about that, but you know, it's a full-time job because when you're not at the theater, you know, the show's three hours long. So whatever that math is, it's like, you know, 40 hours that you're actually working a week. But the rest of the time is spent with, you know, doctor's appointments and personal training and voice training and, and, you know, all of these things to keep, um, yourself together and prepared for the show therapy, physical therapy, mental therapy, all that stuff. Um, and so, you know, I think I've, I've definitely learned a lot about how to take care of myself and keep myself together by, you know, by, by having to just be always kind of prepared to do, to do this show. Cause it's, it's, it's not, not only is it physically exhausting, but it's also, it's a lot of mental and emotional energy, you know, all the, so many words I'm on stage for probably 90% of the show. Um, and I, I live 40, 40 years of someone's life. You know, I experienced like, you know, the, the being an immigrant with no friends and getting, falling in love. And, you know, I don't want to say too much for spoilers. I think everybody knows Hamilton, but a lot, a lot of stuff happens. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's a full-time gig for sure. So, uh, practically, um, gym, yoga, meditation, and PT are like a weekly must for me. Um, and got to eat a bunch. I eat probably like five meals a day. Um, 
ideally just to kind of keep myself cause I'm like six foot four and burn a lot of energy really fast. Um, you know, like I said, yeah, therapy, um, stretching is really important massages to just like work out the knots. Cause we've got, you know, these big heavy costumes and, and, uh, swords that we're carrying around. We got to run up and down stairs time. It's, you know, it, it, a lot, a lot goes into keeping the machine machine going. So for the, sure. the, the company, I think of like being on a football team or a basketball team, they provide all those things. Does the company provide massages and PT people for you or is it all out of your own they, pocket? They do, um, to a degree. So, so they, there is like a PT person and a, and a massage person that work at the theater, but you know, it's such a huge company that we get, you know, 20, 21, 20 minute slot a week. Okay. Um, for kind of, you know, and then like one, you know, one 20 minute PT, one 20 minute chiropractor, one 20 minute uh, massage. So that's usually not enough, um, for me. So then I go, I go outside of the theater then to, you know, kind of get some full work done. Okay. And, yeah. then, and then this is always my TMI cause I'm so, I have issues, but, uh, have you ever, have you ever had a, a, a thing on stage? You're like, Oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to intermission if I don't go to the bathroom right now. And how do you manage that kind of stuff? <laughs> yes. Yes. I think I just had one of those moments like, <laughs> like a month ago, maybe. Um, cause like I said, you know, again, I'm on stage really often and I only have, I only have bathroom sized breaks, maybe, maybe two times during the entire show. Um, so when it, when it hits or if, you know, you get sick, like I had, I've had friends who, you know, got really sick and was like throwing up, you yeah. know, in the middle of the show and you kind of just gotta, <laughs> you, know, you just gotta push through. Oh. Um, so I, I remember, I mean, it happened in the first act for me and I think I was, I was sweating. I was really not sure <laughs> if it was gonna, <laughs> how it was going to go. And I got, you know, I got to that very last line of, of, um, the first act, I'm not throwing away my shot lights oh. out. I sprinted. <laughs> on stage. So I, got, I told my dresser, I'll see you in a second. Um, yeah, it's, it's real. It's real. But like I said, I've, I've had friends who, you know, I mean, I've also had to like call out mid show before for like injuries and stuff like that. That does happen. But I've had friends who, you know, couldn't call out because there wasn't somebody at the theater who could cover them or they were already in another track. So, like, I've had friends who literally would go on stage, they'd sing their song, they'd come off, they'd throw up, they'd clean themselves off, and they'd go back on stage and keep going. Like, it's a, it's a beast. The it's show a beast. must go on. Like, literally. The right show there. must go on. Um, Erica Brown, one of our Brave Maker volunteers, said, how do you keep your voice intact? So you're doing a lot of singing and talking. How do you not just want to be quiet every other minute of the day when you're not doing your show. Yeah. What's that like? Um, I think it took me, it took me a long time to be able to really under like train myself to, to have the stamina to, to do the show and to, to not, and to like be able to have a life outside of it. I think for the first few months I was pretty, pretty rigid, you know, restricted outside. Like I was, I wouldn't go out. I wouldn't, I mean, I still don't really go out. Um, except on my days off, but you know, it, it was a lot of like voice lessons and figuring out, you know, where to place things so that it wasn't, you know, that it was really sustainable over, over a long amount of time. And, you know, also learning how to like speak well outside of the show and, you know, keep myself hydrated and, and really pick and choose <clears throat> when, when I use it and when I don't, you know, I mean, I think being in this show taught me, I've learned that I kind of have like with this show, I have a finite amount of kind of energy, yeah. both physical and just like vocal. Um, so it's really just like divvying out like, okay, I, I have this much kind of to expend this week. So I'll put some here, I'll put some there, I'll put some there. And then this is my scheduled time where I'm going to recuperate. Um, so just kind of getting really regimented about that and just being really, um, cognizant of vocal health and like, you know, good technique and support and all of that. Um, has been crucial. Well, thanks for expending some of your time and voice on this podcast. Happy to do it. Happy to do it. Talk to us about some of the favorite songs and, and numbers that you enjoy doing and some of the ones that are really tough and challenging. Yeah. So now I get to gush about Dear Theodosia a little bit. Yeah. I, I love that song. Um, mostly because, I mean, it's, it's just such a, it's such a beautiful, tender moment. You know, I mean, it, the way it's staged is, it's literally just me and Burr 
sitting at the front of the stage in, in chairs. And, you know, the rest of the show is so, you know, the incredible right. choreography and the lights and the, all of these things are always, you know, going on. It's such a spectacle. And that's just one of these moments where you just kind of take a breath and it's just really tender and beautiful. Um, so I love that song. I would say probably my favorite song just objectively in the show is probably wait for it. Mm. And it's one of the only songs that I'm not even on stage for. Mm. I don't get to sing at all, <laughs> but I love that song. <laughs> uh, just the orchestration and the, the energy and the emotion of it. But I think my, one of my other ones that I usually come back to is actually quiet uptown, which is when after my son dies and Again, it's this, it's the first time you really see Hamilton kind of just like at a loss for words, you know, not, not, I mean, he's literally in that song kind of using all of these like recycled melodies and things that other people say in the show because he really just doesn't have the words for this, this pain. So it's another one of those just really like kind of soft, introspective, like, you know, the, the, the camera zooms in and it's just Hamilton and his wife and going through this. And I, I really that's a moment I look forward to every night. It's awesome. My daughters, I have three daughters and they're so into the soundtrack. And when we're in the car, which is when we listen to it a lot and their little voices are singing, especially dear Theodosia, I'm like, you know, like there's so many like parental moments, right. You know, with your character and your son. And I, yeah, I, I think that's awesome. I also, I love, everyone loves the King of England, but yeah. oh my gosh, that's such fun stuff right there. It's such fun stuff. I, you know, I have like you and Morton who plays it on Broadway, you know, so I've been on Broadway now for six months. I've never seen him do the part. I, cause I'm never on stage. On stage. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I can, I can catch little glimpses like, you know, through cracks from behind the, yeah. the scene and I hear him obviously every sure. time, but I've never seen him do it. And like, yeah. That's such a bummer for me because, you know, he's incredible. So um, and that is such a, that's a fun moment in the show. And you, you mentioned dressers before, but so you're, it's not like when you're, when you're off stage, you're just be able to sit there, you are changing clothes and there are people who are helping oh, yeah. you. And I, I've got a lot, a lot of changes and it's, a, yeah. So I, it's very, very rare. Like I said, there's only a couple of moments really where I get to actually sit down and, you know, I'm usually drinking and wiping off the sweat and, you know, I have like a little electronic fan that is so bougie, but I love it. Um, but yeah, I'm always, there's a lot going on backstage. A couple more questions on Hamilton and we can move on. Uh, so Terry Smith, who's one of our brave makers submitted this question. She's also a drama teacher who went to Hamilton and took students there, I believe. Uh, she yes. said, what's, what's it like? So you talked about Lin-Manuel uh, Miranda before in the audition process, but what's it like now that you have the role uh, in your relationship with him and how does that, you know, as you move forward in this space, what's that relationship look like? Yeah. So we call, we call all of the creatives, we call them the, um, the cabinet. Um, and so they, they all, like I've performed, you know, many times for them cause they, they all kind of come in and, and, you know, give their, give notes and, and keep the show tight and make sure we, you know, stay invigorated with like the original feeling of it as it evolves. Um, but Lynn, Lynn has never really, like, I've never gotten a note from Lynn. Lynn is, is more like, I think now he comes more at it from being an actor who played Hamilton, you know, or obviously originated Hamilton rather than really being like the creator. I think he leaves that up to like Tommy Kill, who was the original director and Andy, who was, you know, the choreographer and, you know, Alex Lackmore who did all the music. They're the ones who really kind of now, um, come in and like, you know, give us notes and everything like that. But Lynn, the first time I did the whole show for Lynn was on tour and I was in Washington DC and it was, it was a big night because it not only was Lynn there, but they were all there. So it was, okay. it was Lynn and Lynn and Andy and Jeff Sellers, the producer and, and I, all of them, they were all there. So I was of course terrified. <laughs> um, but Lynn came back at, at intermission and was just like, you know, knocked on the door and he was just like, it's so, you're so great. Like, oh, this is so awesome. Like, you, cool. you know, you're crushing it. And like, I'm, you know, it's so da da da. And I got to talk to him, you know, went to a party afterwards and stuff. I got to talk to him for a while. And this was, this was as he was gearing up to go do it in Puerto Rico. And I was like, how do you feel about stepping back into it? And he's like, I'm, I'm terrified. <laughs> you know, he was, he's like, it's, it's, it's a beast. And it's been a while since I've, since I've done it. So, um, 
I really, yeah, it's really cool to kind of just get to, even though he is the father of this whole thing, obviously he wrote it. it it's, it's fun to just kind of get to talk to him like actor to actor about what it's like to, you know, play this part. I mean, pretty historic and amazing that you're the one who replaced him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, well, I wasn't the first one that replaced him. So it was after, after him directly, it was Javi, Javier Munoz, and then Michael, Michael Luoye played it. So I'm the fourth, fourth Hamilton on Broadway. Um, but I was the, I was the first Hamilton to actually take the show around the country. It had, there was another Michael. So Michael actually played it when it was in San Francisco and LA okay. for a year. And once it actually went on tour, that's when I joined. So I was the, the one who took it around the country. And was your first show. So randomly I was telling my friend, I'm having dinner and I'm saying, Oh yeah, I'm going to talk to Austin Scott who plays. He's like Hamilton. I was like, first of all how did you know like it surprised me that this guy knew anything about theater yeah but he said he saw you in san diego i believe like on one of your yeah yeah is that one of your first shows potentially i was yeah that was the first city that i that i actually went on stage that's wild dude that's pretty crazy so you okay so you were the first actor to to tour it but in regards to your contract on broadway were the two guys who had it before you at the same uh, time frame as you? Cause it feels like you're there till next February or something. Is that, yeah. You mean, you mean in terms of like length of the contract? Yes. yes length. Yeah. Yeah. So let me see. So Javi, it's a little convoluted, but Javier was the alternate. So as I said, every Hamilton only does seven out of eight shows. Okay. So okay. there's, a, there's like a dedicated alternate typically. Like an understudy, um, in other words. Kind yeah, of like, yeah. 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 Yeah, but but it's 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 a little different because they go on every every Sunday or every you know whatever the show is that they come out. So it's like there's you know mostly understudies only go out when someone goes on vacation or okay. they're sick or whatever. There's true alternates with this show. Okay. Um, and so Javier was the guy who played Hamilton on Sunday when it opened on Broadway, and then when Lynn left, Javi was promoted and took over full time, okay. and Michael actually became the alternate for Javier. Got you. Okay. Um, so, and then, and then when Javier left, well, so while Javier was doing it, Michael actually ended up going, like I said, doing the show in San Francisco and LA. Um, and then he left to come back to Broadway and take over for Javier when he left. And I went and joined his company right as it was touring, starting to tour the country. And so I did that while he did his year on Broadway. And then now I'm here and yeah, I'm on till February. So it's, there's not necessarily like, you know, I think it's different for everybody how long they sign on for. So, you know, Javier ended up doing it probably in total, maybe two or three years. Um, and Michael probably did it as the role full time, about two years between tour and Broadway. And then, you know, I'm, it remains to be seen, you know, I, I, I'm, I, there's a chance that I'll extend or, you know, not, I, that, you know, is a decision to be made by a lot of people, including myself. Um, and, you know, so we'll see where that goes. But, yeah, as of right now, in February, it'll be two years Fantastic, man. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. So your alternate must be pretty excited, fingers crossed, <laughs> that, that, that <laughs> you could take over. <laughs> yeah, they, they, you know, they love, and that's one of the things I love about the company is they, they love to promote internally, you right. know, a lot and kind of, you know, give people, you know, the, the, the chance to you know, step up. So that's awesome. I love that. Okay. So last Hamilton question, what do you think you've learned about life? You know, I think there's one sense of like just being an actor, being a team player, uh, being in the theater, being on Broadway, like what are some things you've learned or maybe how have you grown as a human? And then maybe I'll also comment on how this show in particular, that's so groundbreaking for people of color, for American culture, how that's kind of shaped you in any way. Oof. <laughs> I know that seems like a simple question. No, <laughs> I know it's deep. About, like, Go, please. We're all about um, that. But it's, it's, you know, oh God, I, I've grown more in the past year and a half than I probably have in my entire life. Um, as a person, as an actor, as everything. Um, I think one of the, one of the biggest things is I, as I kind of said already, I think is like learning how to take care of myself, you know, and really like, um, get, get to know myself and get to know what I need and, you know, how, how to kind of conserve my energy, what things, you know, get, will give me energy, um, what things drain my energy, you know, how I regain all that stuff. 
what kind of foods I need to eat to, you know, keep myself going mentally, all of that stuff. Um, I think as an actor before this, you know, the longest I had done kind of like you said was, you know, probably like a month, you know, or two month run was about the most I'd ever done. So I'd never really got to sit with a character for this long. Mm. And that is an incredible experience, you know, just getting to like, just go deeper and deeper and deeper into, into the character and the mind of like another, you know, another person. I, I think, um, good friend of mine, Ashley Park, who's a, a beast of film, TV and theater. She said like, you never really, as you, as you, when you're in, with something for this long, you never widen, you never expand, you just deepen. And like, that's definitely what it's felt like is I've just gone deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's, I've learned so much about how to kind of, you know, unblock and access my own emotions in a really cool way. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been a really incredible experience with that regard. Um, and then being a part of this, uh, it's so cool. It's, it's, it's like a, re- you know, it's, it's a revolution and it's like a, a <laughs> and a revelation. <laughs> it's a revelation. Exactly. <laughs> uh, no, and, and it's this light kind of of hope and, and, you know, what we can be in a time where there's, you know, a lot of darkness and a lot of, a lot of uncertainty and, and fear and all of that, you know, th- there's this show that, that people can kind of gather behind and, and, you know, and, and look up on stage and see people like them, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's what's so huge about it. I mean, there's so many things that are huge about it, but it's, it's, it's actors of color getting, to play roles that kind of have nothing to do with their ethnicity. You know what I'm saying? Or like they're, um, you know, they're, they're just, we're, we're people and we bring obviously like, you know, we bring our cultures and we bring our, you know, our different backgrounds and everything to these characters. But, you know, at the end of the day, the characters are, they can be any race, you know, really they can be any, you know, anything they're, they're just, they're people. And, you know, but also like, obviously you've got that, that strong em- embrace of, of hip hop, hip hop culture and black culture and immigrant culture and all of these things being embraced by such a wide audience, not just theater goers, but, but, you know, there's a bunch of people that come and they're like, you know, I've never seen a show in my life, but I heard about Hamilton and I came and my mind is blown. Um, you know, and I've had, you know, again, kids come up to me and be like, I didn't know that there were roles like this that I could play. Um, and it, it's, it's, it kind of just feels like it's, it's what I got into the arts for, you know, is, is getting to be a role model, but also just getting to like be a part of something that's so inclusive and so powerful and so about, you know, acceptance and, and fighting for what you believe in and, and love and, you know, the founding of this, this, this great country, which, you know, it, it is a great, we might be a little, little off the tracks right now, but it's a great country. Um, yeah, it's so, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. It's so cool, dude. I fully agree. And, you know, as someone who is an actor, storyteller as well, filmmaker, just being an audience member, I saw it in San Francisco and I'm stoked to see you in New York when you do it, which I'm stoked yeah. about in October. But uh, I mean, I, I was just crying and so many people around me that when that curtain goes down at the end and we're feeling the story and we're feeling like hope after all those songs for our country, we're also feeling sad because we know where things are in our country, especially in regards to racism and how we treat immigrants. And so, yeah, it's so profound. I, I, I think the, you know, the reason why we do Brave Maker is we believe like stories have power to change our minds, to change culture, to help people yes. empathize with each other and to give people uh, a better way. Uh, it helps us be better human. So, man, I, I, it's awesome, dude. It's awesome. Thank you. I mean, I, you know, there are some people and there's like a lot of creative people who believe, you know, that creativity in the arts are like, you know, it's, it's beautiful and it's an incredible form of self-expression and all of that, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't have an objective purpose in society, you know, the same way like doctors or teachers yeah, and, and everything. Sure. But I have this, I have to disagree with that because I really think we wouldn't have culture. We wouldn't like, you know, like you just said, I think the storytelling and, and, you know, getting to go to the theater or, or you know, listen to music or all of that, it, it helps 
it helps us understand our humanity and, and understand how we're connected to each other. And just like it, it gives, you know, I think, I think creativity is life. Like art is life, yep. you know, and without that, I think we, we wouldn't not live in the world that we live in. Yeah. So I think it's very important. Yeah. It's pretty beautiful. I hear sometimes, you know, creatives, you know, we, we recognize like, okay, we're not curing cancer and we need doctors and people in medicine to be doing their work. It's important. And so we sort of negate ourselves, like put our tail between our legs. But at the same time, I think when we really get it, like you are giving people of color, you're giving black boys and black girls hope to be able to see themselves in these spaces. And you are, you are helping people access like somebody in Indiana, you know, who, by the way, next question turns on pose, for instance, and doesn't know (laughs) an LGBT character or trans person in their real life, but they can somehow access this TV show that gives the flesh and blood and bone to a real person who exists in the world, although they might never meet them in person. I think that is, yeah, that is doing so much for our culture and for advancing us as human beings that, you know, I don't want to equate us to doing medicine, but it's just as important. We need both. We need it all. Yes, we so, need both. We yeah. need both. That's so well said, man. Yeah. Hey, so if you're thinking about starting a podcast, can I make you a recommendation? When I was trying to start this podcast and get it off the ground, I had to start from scratch. I didn't really know how to record an episode. How do I get my podcast on Apple or Spotify and all the other places? And how do I make money? I mean, I need to make something, right? But the answer to every one of these questions was really simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is this one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free. It's super easy to use. And then Anchor can match you with great sponsors too. So you can get paid to podcast for real. I'm serious. So if you want to start a podcast and make some money, I mean, not a lot, but you'll make some. Go to anchor.fm slash start and you can join me and the whole host of podcasting community who are already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. And let me know if you start one. I might listen. So let's talk about that because I would be remiss. My One of my best friends, uh, I watched two episodes of Pose for him and then I saw you were on it. I'm like, okay, I got I to gotta keep watching because... Because uh, Austin is in a Speedo. Looks like you posted I, your, your lifeguard. <laughs> I, I'm in a Speedo running in slow motion. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's, it's so for all the ladies and men who'd like to see Austin in a Speedo, <laughs> there you go. But uh, Pose is a show on FX, if I'm correct. I think it's on FX, yeah. but I think I'm watching it on Netflix, so it's on both or something. Yeah, it's on, exactly. Um, so let's talk about that, dude. Speaking of giving people awareness, how'd you get the show? Yeah. What is it about? Someone who's never seen it, why should they watch it? And what's your role? So it's about it's about the LGBTQ community and the ball culture in the 80s and 90s. So the ball culture was, um, you know, the balls were a place where the LGBTQ community could go together and, you know, basically just like just be with each other and show, you know, show each other that they weren't alone. It was a community. It was a way to, you know, come together at a time, you know, with the, this was like the the beginning and the height of, of the AIDS epidemic and, you know, people were losing people and it was, you know, a really hard time. And so the balls were a way to just kind of unify, um, and show each other love. And so that's primarily what the ball, the, the show is about. It's, it is groundbreaking for so many reasons, but one of which is it's, it's the, it's, it has the highest number of trans actors of any show that, that there's ever been, I mean, leading roles, and that's, you know, that's huge. And so my role is Adrian, the lifeguard who, um, saves Blanca, who is, who is one of the leads. Um, and you know, ends up going on a date with her and kind of, you know, they kind of fall for each other and that's, that's where it sits right now. Oh, wow, um, man. I think that's a big, that's a big see, deal. It's, it's a, yeah, it's, it's, it was a really, you know, it was, it was so cool to, to, get to work with her. I'd known her, um, before I met her on another project. Um, but she's incredible. The, the show is, you know, it, it's kind of, it was, it's an embarrassment of riches because I got to go from Hamilton to, you know, being on, you know, just an episode of this for now. Um, but another, another really powerful revolutionary show, you know, that's, that's shedding light on, you know, a, a, a culture and a group of people who, who exist and, you know, but don't get to get spotlighted so much in, in mainstream culture. And so it, so grateful to be a part of it. 
awesome. So great. So again, I haven't seen that season, or end of, but I know it just had a finale. So is there pot- potentially for you to come back for season three? We'll see. We'll okay. see. As of as of right now, or kind of, you know, the creators are still deciding where where they're going to go with it with the next season because my episode was like the second to last episode of the season. So, wow. um, we'll see. But but yeah, that's awesome, dude, man. <laughs> Struck some Thanks, gold, man. dude. That's phenomenal. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Last couple questions to wrap up. So, um, we would love to have you talk about just thoughts about actors, people breaking in. Uh, this podcast is all about. What does it mean to be a brave maker? How do you face those fears? What kind of tips or thoughts would you want to share to someone who's like, hey, I see myself in theater. I want to be uh, acting and storytelling in front of the camera. What would you tell them? How yeah. do they get in? Um, well, I mean, I think the first thing is is just a, just a really good mentality going in is just doing your best to remember that what's, what's for you is for you and what's for someone else's, you know, for them and, and trying not to compare yourself. Cause I think that's so prevalent in, in our industry is, you know, we, we see other people's paths and we feel like we're not going as fast as they are. We're not, you know, we're not where we feel we should be based on where other people were at this age or, you know, whatever. Everyone's path is different. Everyone's creative life is going to look, look different. Success can be measured in many different ways, not just, you know, monetary in the way, you know, the way that we, because society kind of tells us to. So that's, I think, really important. That'll save creatives a lot of someone who's looking to enter a creative life that can save a lot of pain. Um, but I think you really just, you just start, you know, you don't, we don't wait for someone to give you permission, you know, or, or, um, give you the opportunity, you know, you can make your own opportunity. If you're, if you're, if you're an actor or a comedian, you know, write, write, write some skits and, and film them on your cell phone and put them up on YouTube. Like, you know, just kind of make, you know, just start, um, start making your, your craft. If you're a writer, write. No one, you know, don't, don't try not to worry about too much of the outcome or, you know, being able to make money off of it or whatever. It's, you know, you just, you just write, you just do, do your thing. Um, I think that's probably the best, the best advice, you know, I have is just not to, not to wait for someone to give you permission or, or to, you know, give you a platform. You just make your own platform and, and go. Right on, man. That's great. Yeah. Uh, what would you, who would you be thanking for your Oscar speech? Who are the people who have been, <laughs> who have been influential? Who do you want to thank for all? So their- many people. Um, but you know, as, as on the Oscars, I would have a short amount of time before they started playing me off. So, um, first and foremost, my parents, 100%, they, you know, they've been there supporting me since day one. So, so grateful for them. Um, Bettina Devin, she, you know, again, was my voice and acting coach from a really young age in, in, in the Bay area. Um, Joan Rosenfels out here. She's my acting coach in, in New York and she coached me for, you know, the Hamilton auditions when I started actually going in for Hamilton and has taught me so much about the craft. And, you know, cause I didn't, I didn't go to, to, uh, like a conservatory program or I didn't, I didn't go to college for, for acting. And so a lot of what I learned has come from people like Patina and Joan and, you know, on set and not, you know, you know, on in the theater, just kind of learning as I go. So, the list goes on and on and on, but, um, yeah, I like just all my teachers, Liz Kaplan out here in New York, um, my girlfriend, Alexa, um, <clears throat> Jason and Alicia Jeffrey, who, who, you know, are our producer director couple who actually, yeah. um, put me into, into, in the Heights at, at Redwood city. Yeah. They, they, you know, like one of my first professional jobs, I think rent back like right out of high school. And shout out to Alicia. She's great. See, see their shows at Broadway by the Bay. They're fantastic. Yes. Yes. They really are. They really are. Um, yeah, man, it, you know, it takes a village. I yeah. have, I have, you know, so many people to thank and, and like, even now just keeping myself together, I actually was making a list the other day. I've got probably, team of maybe 20 people yeah. all told to really keep me together for this show, you know, um, doctors and PTs and coaches and agents and managers. It, 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 it you know, it takes, it takes a village for sure. So well, dude, yeah. you've got a lot of stuff to be proud of, man. I'm just super stoked that we connected and I love, it's just a cool, Likewise. it's a cool story to recognize like, like this, 
business is really about relationships and you can develop them through social media. You might like we were in the right. same, same city. We never really met face to face. I'll see you for the first time face to face in New York in October. <laughs> right. But, but right. Like, this is the beautiful thing, like four years of following each other. So I'm super grateful for your time, man. And I love watching what's happening in your life. Super congratulations to you. Thank you, man. Yeah. You. Where can people find you uh, uh, to connect with you? Austin Scott 93 um, on Twitter and Instagram. So that's, you know, A-U-S-T-I-N-S-C-O-T-T 93 at Instagram and Twitter. Beautiful. Check the show notes yeah. as well. If you want to see Austin in Broadway, New York City, go get your tickets. I'm going to be there October, I think October 9th or 10th or whatever that Wednesday is. I'm going to be seeing it. Uh, I'm excited, and uh, we'll hopefully find a Chia Pet YouTube commercial. (laughs) (laughs) But if if you do some digging, you'll you'll get there. (laughs) All right, man. Thanks so much, dude. Really appreciate it. Brave Maker is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. Support the podcast with a tax-deductible donation at bravemaker.com. Thanks for listening to the Brave Maker podcast. Subscribe, give us a rating, and share with a friend.